millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Introducing Wondersuite from Bluehost.com. Website creation is hard. But now with Bluehost, you can answer a few simple questions about your business and get a unique WordPress website or store right away. From there, you can customize your design, colors, and content. And Bluehost automatically helps you get found in search engines like Google and Bing. From step-by-step guidance to suggested plugins, Bluehost makes WordPress wonderful for everyone. Go to bluehost.com slash wondersuite. Hello, I'm Derek. And I'm Eloa, and we're here in this episode of Derek Draper's Space to talk about chapter five of Create Space, Space to Share. The lesson that opens this chapter is as follows. You need to create the space to be in touch with and share what is really going on for you if you are to have real, rich relationships. And of course, the premise is that this is completely applicable at work in corporate or in in business environments. The story in this chapter is of uh, Beata. Do you want to give us a sense, of, a little yeah. tidbit about that story? Yeah. So um, Beata um, ran a, a team in a big global company, right? Quite complicated because she had some people working for her, other people worked with her that reported to someone else. There was other people who were regional, some global. But she ran a team that was selling spirits, right? Um, and they weren't doing that well, right? Which surprised everyone because they were a popular team. They liked each other. Everyone thought that they would work, you know, and they had all various kind of, you know, their skills, their experience, the the, the level of their intellect, the, um, the creativity was all, was all pretty high, right? It should have worked as a team, but it wasn't working. And when I um, uh, was asked to go and kind of work with the team to, to try and figure out why, I, I is the story, I won't spoil the story, but the story basically is that I was flummoxed, right, for a while. I also saw this perfect team and then i realized well hang on a minute perfect why why what why, why should it why would it or should it be perfect and again to cut a story short the problem was that the team was too nice to each other right so they could only show positive things positive news positive ideas positive feedback right and it was really holding them back because of course on a subterranean level there was some negative thoughts there was some disagreement there was some personality conflicts right they were being repressed, right? Partly because of how, how who, who and how, uh, Beata was, right? Um, and so we were really hard doing some of the things that we might talk about uh, to, to try and get that team to kind of shift into a much more um, real emotional space, right? Because emotions are not just positive. Sometimes they can be negative, but the negative emotions are also important. Mm. There's something um, kind of very in vogue at the moment about positive psychology, focusing on the positive, and there's lots of studies about the benefits of gratitude and people who consciously count their blessings who are less prone to depression and are or do, do tend to be happier, although, of course, there are nuances to it. 
I think the risk is that we take it that just at face value and it's a bit black and white and two-dimensional. And uh, it, it sounds to me like that's what Beata's team had internalised, mm. that there wasn't any value or any space or room for sure. the less positive emotions that are a bit more painful or un and uncomfortable. Yeah. And, and, and what it squeezes out, by the way, is vulnerability. Yes. Right? If, if you're yes. only positive, if only the positive things are allowed, then then you don't have that vulnerability. And vulnerability is a very... It's, Brenny Brown is a great theorist of vulnerability a fantastic ted talk a great book you you have to put yourself sometimes into a place of vulnerability at work uh, because that is the real thing right there was a really interesting study done by google it was a multi-year study called project aristotle and it's had a brilliant this brilliant article in the new york times about it and what they were doing at Google was trying to find out how to create the perfect team. So going back to that word perfect, but the most high performing team, like what was it? They did loads of cross-sectional studies and they couldn't find any patterns. And for people working at Google to not be able to find patterns <laughs> is quite a strange thing, right? So eventually they stumbled upon research about norms, about what is it that groups of people internalize as their habitual ways of being? And that led them to the studies on psychological safety, which I think really connects to this stuff about vulnerability. Um, so you write about psychological safety in the book, which is the work of Professor Amy Edmondson. Can you connect the dots for us between, firstly, what is psychological safety? And then how does it relate to creating space to share and to teams? Yeah. So so psychological safety is, is, is the idea that it, within that, group of people it's okay to be wrong mm -hmm. uh, be um sad be vulnerable be human be, be human mm -hmm. right but it, it, it you know and, and actually and be stupid mm -hmm. right right you know to say something stupid right to 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 say to to make a mistake to ask right? stupid questions to ask for help mm -hmm. right all of those things that make us kind of oh you know how's that going to be interpreted what google with the multi-million pound study have proven is that actually those things don't make a worse team right oh look at that team sharing all their vulnerabilities and you know sort of allowing people to um, admit that they've made mistakes, right? We'd never allow that in our team, you know. Well, your team won't perform as well as that other team. Fact, right? It's been it's been studied with huge amounts of data. So that notion that it's safe, psychologically safe, to be yourself and to, as you say, be a human being, right? Um, and so, you know, that's the culture that a team should be um, trying to create, and an organisation should be trying to create, right? Uh, and and if you do that then people will share more. It has all sorts of effects. You know, things that people cover up because they might go, they don't want to admit their, their part in it, right? Or they don't want to spoil everyone's kind of sense that everything's going well. That can lead to catastrophic mistakes in certain, and, and catastrophes in certain industries, you know, will be lessened if you have that notion of psychological safety. If you're allowed to be yourself, then you bring your whole self to work, right? Levels of engagement are higher. You know, it's a sort of, massive uh, effect that, that this notion has um, and the book goes into a bit but as you say you, people can read uh, you know the, the the article in the New York Times or Amy Edmondson's work and, and really get their heads around well what does this mean for my team and how can we kind of bring it into our team. Yeah, it's a favourite topic of mine I could bang about on about it all day. Um, at CDP the leadership consultancy that you founded that I work for right. we have a team model or a model of team yeah. dynamics that also connects into this idea of creating space to share do you want to share that with us 
Yeah. So, you know, what, what we what we try to do um, at, at CDP was was in consultation with 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 some clients who had team issues. We sort of tried to work out, well, what what are the kind of key elements of a team? Right. And we, we worked out that there were three D's. Right. Uh, the first is direction. Right. So you have to have purpose and goals and motivation. Right. The second one is delivery. You have to actually produce stuff. Right. Whatever you're supposed to produce. And that's about structure and planning and accountability, all of which are kind of very important. But the third one is D for dynamics. Right. And the dynamics are the internal dynamics and the external dynamics and then the overall culture. And what we would say is that a successful team needs to be looking at how it's working with itself on an emotional, psychological basis, right? Um, psychological safety, as we've discussed, would be like a key thing that you were trying to bring into that. But also, how are you dealing with external relationships or connections, right? What are you willing to share externally, right? And again, are you going to make yourself vulnerable, right? Are you going to go to a client and say, well, actually, we're not that good at that. Um, so maybe you should go elsewhere, you know, turning business down because it's not really the best thing, right? You know, so again, anathema to lots of business people, but actually the way to build trust, you know, trust is at the heart of this, right? You know, um, and, you know, the mistake that people make without thinking about it is to think that if you're honest and open and yourself, then you will create issues of trust, right? Because if you tell me that sometimes you can't do things or don't do things, right, how am I going to trust you? But actually, if you tell me something I already know because I see it, I I'm going to trust you. And when you say I'm going to do that or I can't do that because... I'm going to believe you, right? Because we've established trust. I think it's at this point in the book where I start, when I was uh, reading it, I started to really see the dots all joining because what you're saying there goes back to, for me to Reku with the rushing, mm -hmm. which mm -hmm. we talk about in the chapter yeah. and the episode uh, yeah. on yeah. creating on space on to reflect. Yeah. Yeah. Rushing, rushing, trying That's to be right. a yes person, trying to always deliver um, and actually taking that space to reflect and be honest with yourself and then check in with what you're feeling. Oh, God, I'm feeling really overwhelmed and stressed. I'm dancing on the edge of burnout here. Yeah, yeah. And then taking that to your colleague, your line manager, your yeah. your direct reports and actually being honest. Yeah. It, it That's actually what builds trust. And also, of course, you know, our, our view as psychodynamic psychologists would be that these emotions, uh, these issues, they don't disappear just because you repress them, either yourself or in an organization or in your team, right? What happens is if you try and not have them in the picture, right, if you squeeze them out, bang, stress, bang, massive uh, people being um, ill, signed off work, right? Bang, very low levels of well-being and therefore engagement, right? Bang, people being basically miserable at work right so they don't disappear it's not like you say oh we don't have emotions here what you do where are they mm. where are they and and how are they then uh, affecting mm. the work right so it's all about being open and honest enough to say that emotions matter and we can kind of handle them here in this workplace in this team in this organization we kind of accept that emotions are there and we're going to kind of talk about them. Mm. And speaking of which, that takes us to something else I want to cover, which is the idea of challenging conversations. Yeah. And as part of that, listening. Mm. 
Yeah. It's, it's really um, easy to think that we all know how to listen. I'm a great listener. It's yeah, really yeah, easy yeah. to kind of claim that about yourself. Um, but in the book, you cover the coactive model of listening, which yes. has got three levels. That's right. um, so I might say what I think they are and then you can. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, sort yeah. Of. So the first level of listening is really about paying attention to yourself. Mm -hmm. um, it, it, in a sense, it's quite negative. It's quite good because you're kind of reflecting and checking in with what you with what you've mm. Feeling or thinking, but it shuts the other person out. It's that kind of, oh, what am I going to have for dinner when I get home tomorrow? I'm hungry. I'm a bit bored. So it's that focus on self rather than on other. Or even, by the way, not not quite as um, kind of dismissive internally of the other person. It could be um, that's a good idea. Oh, how could I do that? Or how could I use that? Or actually, I've got a slightly different spin on that. You know. So what you're doing is you're using the other person. What the other person is saying is kind of fuel for you. Ra rather than really mm -hmm. listening, right? Really yeah. sharing. And that's only level one. Level two listening is where you really focus on the other person. Right. And so in level one listening, you might be waiting for your turn to speak. Level two is a little bit like being really attentive, mm -hmm. like, a, like a mother would be to a child, mm -hmm. like you would be with a friend who's mm -hmm. sharing something with mm -hmm. you, or in a meeting where you're just riveted by what's being shared. So mm -hmm. it's that real focus on other. Mm -hmm. And I suppose the space that uh, we're suggesting people aspire to at least some of the time mm -hmm. is that level three, where it's that blend of self and other, and you're paying attention to the subtext, to the energy, to the tone of voice, and maybe to what's not being said, which I think ties back to your point about emotions. Like maybe if there's no space to feel, well, how are they coming out in the organization? How is it being expressed? You know, in your organization, are the engagement statistics as poor as Gallup finds worldwide, where I think 13% of employees worldwide are engaged in their organizations. It's just a kind of ridiculously low um, number of people. So is there anything else you want to say about listening well, and then challenging what, conversations? What you're reminding me of is when, when I uh, first trained to be a psychotherapist, um, I did that in California. Mm. And it, the course was a brilliant course. And, and you, you started doing supervised practice straight away. And I was worked with what we would call in the UK juvenile delinquents, right? So teenagers had gone off the rails. And the first patient I ever had was a 17-year-old boy who spent the entire session telling me in painstaking detail how he had taken a razor blade and peeled, scraped every bit of paint off his bike, mm. right? And out of the, in those 50 minutes, that was literally all he talked about, right? And occasionally would say one or two other words or, or even a, a part of a sentence, right? And because as part of therapy, you're training to do that uh, third level of listening. When, when we finished and he left, I felt that I had, I was exhausted. I felt as if I never listened more to anybody. And what had he been telling me, right, by doing this thing? And it was the moment that I realized that this is what I wanted to do for the rest of my life, right? Um, and that, now I do it with kind of CEOs and, and business people. And they don't normally tell stories like that. But in another way, they kind of do, right? So, so you're right. You know, that notion of really listening is absolutely crucial, right, to, to, to this notion of sharing that we're talking about in this chapter. I suppose the metaphor is the iceberg that... You can pay attention to the bit above the water or you can pay attention to the whole iceberg. Yeah, I think that's right. Yeah. yeah. And actually, the level three listening is the iceberg and everything else, right? It's the yeah. seagull that just flew over mm. and the thing over there that happened. And mm. Yeah, absolutely.
Listening is really crucial when it comes to challenging conversations, yeah. which I've mentioned a minute ago. Um, and they connect back to this idea of sharing, being human at work. This idea of vulnerability isn't yeah. always just about saying, hey, I'm human and I'm, I, I've got a lot on and I can't get everything done that I said I would get done. Yeah. It's also about taking risks. And yeah. that's one of the um, aspects of psychological safety is in a team where that's present, people will take risks and they will voice so the, the example yes, that's right. given is the nurse who sees a doctor misadministering medication, mm. will she speak up? Um, does she feel safe enough to do well, that? The, or the air traffic controller who sees a colleague making a mistake where lives are at stake, literally, moment to moment. Well, there's a, there's a very, there was a very famous um, study where um, a, a psychologist went into various hospitals and um, found uh, a surgical team um, which um, had the absolute highest uh, level of success. And uh, uh, she decided that she would try and find out what, 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 what was it, right? And she looked at various things. It's not dissimilar to the Google um, uh, psychological safety thing. And in the end, she had an absolute um, kind of eureka moment when she realised that actually that what was happening in that team was that nobody was admitting to any mistakes. They're actually one of the worst mm. teams, right? Um, but no, I mean, challenging conversations um, are, are really interesting. And I, I won't go into them in detail here, um, but but I, I did use the idea of challenging conversations with um, uh, with Be Beata and her team. Um, and, um, it, you know, the way we do them is, is pretty challenging, right? Um, but in the book, the point I make is that we could all have a challenging conversation, right? And it's just about um, communicating on a different level, right? And there's there's kind of 10 questions. Uh, I go first. You don't get to talk, right? I get to say my 10. And then you do the same. You, you say your 10 to me, and then we can talk, right? Um, so each person says, what do I think we are really talking about? The, the real uncomfortable truth, not the surface version. Why do I think we haven't talked about this before? What am I feeling about this? What am I thinking about this? Potentially in that order, by the way. Why do I care about this? What will happen if I do nothing? What's my contribution to the way things are? What do I want to happen now? What will I do? And what I am, am I asking you to do? And when I've given my answer to those questions, you give yours, and then together we talk about what do we commit to doing. Now, I've done this with, you know, really senior business teams, right, um, uh, in several places around the world. I could also do it with my, my wife tonight over dinner, right? I can't actually do it with my 12-year-old daughter, right? I could do it with a friend, you know. We could do it if we had time, right? Check it out, mm. and it's an amazing, powerful thing that can surface things. I used it with a team once uh, of, a, of a big household U U name UK company, and it was two guys and, and a woman. They were the three leaders, if you like, and one of the guys had worked with the other person, the other guy, like years ago in, in, in the same company. And then they got, he got off to somewhere else and come back. And 
And um, it, it turned out that they had an issue and it went all the way back to something that had happened about a faulty thing. I won't say what it was because it might reveal them. Um, eight or eight or nine years ago, right? And they had a conversation when it when it came up. They they they, they had a conversation about that faulty thing, and one of them had had a misapprehension about it. Quite a simple thing, right? Right. And when they realised that, they they first of all they started laughing. Then they kind of stopped and actually started crying almost, right? And and they hugged each other. And you were thinking, like, guys. Why have you not talked about that before? For nine years, it has affected your relationships at work, and it's affecting this leadership team and the performance of this business at a national level because you've never had a conversation where you were willing to say, actually, what am I really bothered about here and why? Right? It's extraordinary. I think it's such a, a, an extraordinary example of why feelings are relevant in business. That's right and the impact that it can have when we avoid them. And what I like about the chapter and what we've discussed today is that you're putting structure to it. Because I think the thing with feelings is they can feel um, quite frightening, quite overwhelming, yeah, yeah, right. that you might go there and it might just go on and on and on. That's and actually, there's a really structured yeah, way of, right. de of dealing with it. Yeah, I think that's exactly mm. right. Okay, thank you so much, Derek. Uh, I hope that's been as interesting for you as it has for me. I love talking about this stuff, could talk about it all day. To find out more, head over to derekdrapers.space and join us for the next episode. Say hello to a new era of mental health care. Cerebral is here to help you achieve your mental wellness goals with professional therapy and medication management support. 100% online. You'll experience the all-new Cerebral way an innovative approach to mental wellness designed around you. You'll get a personalized treatment plan from a therapist, prescriber, or both in a safe and judgment-free space. Your cerebral therapist or prescriber will outline a customized plan with clear milestones along the way, so you can get to feeling your best. With Cerebral, you're not alone in your mental health journey. We're here to empower you to live a fulfilling life. So take that first step towards a brighter future and sign up today at Cerebral.com slash podcast and use code ACAST to get 15% off your first month. Offer only valid on monthly plans. Other exclusions may apply. Offer ends July 31st, 2024. See site for details. Hey, everyone. I've been on the go recently. Phoenix, Kansas City, Chicago. If you're like me and have a home but aren't always at home, you have an Airbnb. Hosting your home or a spare room is a very practical side hustle. If you live in a big game town, you can Airbnb your place for fans to stay in. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at Airbnb.com slash post. Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? 
Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. Hi, my name is Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic, and I'm excited to talk to you about Club Med. Club Med operates beach and mountain resorts and is the best all-inclusive getaway for families. They have Club Med Punta Cana, their flagship family resort, and many other options in Mexico, the Caribbean, and around the world. Club Med are the pioneers of the all-inclusive concept, which is the best way to vacation. Great for families, groups, or even solo travelers looking for land and water sports, delicious food and a place to make unforgettable memories. Visit clubmed.us, call 1-800-CLUB-MED or your travel advisor.